The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast. This is Kevin McNamara right here in lovely Providence, Rhode Island with my co-star, Mr. Bill Koch. Bill, happy to have you. That's the first time anyone's called me a star in a long time, Kevin. Thank well, you very much. You're a star in my constellation. What, a, that? what a guy, I'll yes, tell you. It's what quite a, a constellation. Uh, it is a busy first week of the college basketball season. We uh, aim to please here and try to uh, offer up a podcast pick and pop every week throughout the college basketball season. So we're squeezing one in here on Friday afternoon uh, before the weekend's contest. Uh, just throwing everything out uh, tomorrow uh, downtown in Providence at 4.30. The Friars will host uh, NJIT, the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Mm-hmm. Um, the URI Rams are on the road at number seven. Number seven. The number seven Maryland Terrapins, a big time game, opportunity game for the uh, Rams. Brown is at home against Canisius. Unfortunately, at 4.30, uh, you put that game at 1 and I'm there. I'd be a nice Providence doubleheader. Right, same time. Not quite sure why the Bears would play at 4.30. That's an odd time. But um, get out and see uh, any game that you can. And uh, you can come back and watch the Rams at 9 o'clock tip. It's a late tip on uh, FS1. And if that's not enough for you, you've got uh, Bryant playing on Sunday against Cornell. Um, up at the Chase Center. I think that's a... Let's see what time that is. Uh, Bryant and Cornell will be a 1 p.m. tip at the Chase Center on Sunday. No Patriots game, so 1 o'clock on Sunday works. True. No, that's uh, good scheduling for the uh, for the Bulldogs. And we're going to hit uh, Bryant uh, in just a little bit here uh, because they had a really good showing last night. Difficult 73-71 loss at Rutgers, but we'll wrap around to that. Uh, Bill, we're going to start with the Friars. Um, I know that you watched it on uh, replay a little bit. I was... There for the season opener Tuesday against Sacred Heart. Hmm. Um, I, I think we all expected you know, Providence to certainly beat Sacred Heart. I think the uh, not that we follow such things, but I think the spread was eighteen point five points. And I had this discussion with someone earlier the day. I said, you know, if Sacred Heart is picked at the top of the NEC. Uh, you know, eighteen and a half might be a little bit much for the Friars. And uh, they were up nineteen at the half and won. 106 to 60 uh, in probably the most impressive offensive performance of maybe any Ed Cooley team in his nine years. It, mm. it was that impressive. But it was against Sacred Heart. So we're not going to, as uh, Coach Parcells said, we're not going to send him to Canton just yet. Sure. But uh, a lot of positives for the Friars, uh, number one <clears throat> offensively, then the number that jumps out, and I know you like to cite this an awful lot uh, correctly, wisely, 31 assists on 39 baskets is otherworldly, and that's pretty much what Cooley said in his postgame comments as well. Seven uh, double-figure scorers, the starting five, plus Malik White and Emmett Holt. Uh, they haven't had seven double-figure scorers in a game in 11 years. That, that just doesn't happen. Uh, so I guess the question is, uh, 31 assists the most in almost 20 years. Right. So I, I guess the question is, you know, yes, it's all good, uh, very impressive. Uh, how many more do we need to see before we get 
excited about the Friars. Well, if we have any fight fans who listen to the podcast, you could go back to you know Rocky Marciano when he was fighting in, in the 50s, and he had sort of a bunch of no-name opponents until later in his career, and the criticism was, you know, Rocky's not really fighting anyone, and his trainer would respond, you know, sure, you put him in the ring with a bunch of dummies, but it still is impressive the way he's blasting them out and knocking them out. Uh, you know, for the Friars, we've seen them in some of these games, you know, recent years against a Stony Brook or a Fairleigh Dickinson where they've had a hard time against those teams in the non-conference. This was anything but that. This was extremely impressive. When you look a little deeper into the box score, you mentioned the assists against only eight turnovers, and none of those were committed by the guards. Uh, four mm. by Diallo, three by Greg Gant, and one was by the team. None by David Duke, Luan Pipkins, or A.J. Reeves. And if Providence is going to take that good a care of the ball going forward, they're going to be very, very difficult to beat the way Ed Cooley wants to play. Well, I'm not going to extrapolate any uh, of the stats because uh, we do need a few more contests to put them into perspective. Uh, but uh, besides the assists, the 31 assists, that, that's number one on my list. The other one is 16 three-point shots. Mm. I think when we sat here last weekend, we listed some concerns with the Friars besides health. Uh, outside shooting may have been number two or three, and they have 16 threes. Now, I will say that an awful lot of them were open. Sure. But they were open because I hadn't seen ball movement like this for a Providence team since Kyron Cartwright left town. Right. Uh, and maybe even before that, because Kyron had the ball in his hand an awful lot and created plays almost single-handedly. He was a gifted point guard. Sure. Uh, the ball bounced multiple to multiple open hands and set up a lot of open shots. And that's a really nice way to play basketball. Well, I think there, there are a couple things at work there. Obviously, Luan Pipkins coming in and, and playing very well in his Providence debut 26 minutes, 7 assists, no turnovers, 13 points. Three threes. Uh, you know, three threes. And that frees up David Duke a little bit. You can see his progression from year one to year two. He had eight assists in this game and maybe wasn't as called upon to handle the ball to be that true point guard. He could, you know, Pipkins being there sort of took some pressure off him. We, we talked about it a lot last season, Kevin. That's probably the worst point guard play that Ed Cooley has had since he got here to Providence. He had had a steady string of good players on the ball. And, and I think you know, if, the, if the Friars return to, to that sort of tradition that Ed Cooley has had here, they have enough weapons around their ball handlers to have some easy nights here. Uh, they do. Um uh, just a lot of weapons uh, offensively w- when the Friars get up and down. And, you know, I, I, I've referred to this in our preseason coverage, but probably need to emphasize it even more going through. You, you know what else they've done, uh, Bill, is last year, as you know, they were last in the Big East in scoring right. and shooting. So uh, they've practiced with a 24-second clock in oh, good. S- instead of 30. Okay. And on resets in the half court, it's been, I think, 12th. Instead of 15, 15 right? I or think. 20? Uh, just to speed up play, get more shots. Sure. And uh, I'd have to go and look at the analytics and see how many more possessions they had the other night than uh, you know in previous years. But uh, Ed Cooley was really happy with that. And I think that's what this faster pace is designed to do. And you could see it because uh, they didn't run their half-court offense very much. They, they had... Uh, 
multiple open jump shots in transition or went and got the ball off the offensive glass, 17 uh, offensive rebounds. So, uh, again, I I don't want to look too much at this box score because it probably needs to be framed and go to the Naismith Hall of Fame. <laughs> right. Friar, Friar Wing. Friar uh, Wing. And uh, we won't see another one like this maybe in another 19 years, but we'll see. But I, you know, I would give Ed Cooley credit for this. If he realizes that his pieces are talented, and we talked about that on the preseason edition of the podcast, that this is probably the deepest, most talented team that he's had when they're healthy. If he realizes that his team is as talented and, and he's sort of letting up on the reins a little bit and he's going to let the guards create and, and get out and push a little bit, there's no crime in having easy offense. There, there's nothing wrong with scoring in transition and finding open players on the wings. It's, it's going to make life a lot easier if Providence is playing this way and in the habit of playing this way when they get into the Big East and it gets a little more physical and you're playing teams who are a little faster and a little more athletic and have a little more size. No, it'll be interesting how much Cat can carry over when, the, when they step up in weight class. Right. Back to Rocky Marciano. Sure. Very good. Very uh, good. A little bit on NJIT. They opened with a narrow loss to Colgate. Uh, Colgate is the favorite to win the Patriot. Patriot League, yeah. Uh, went to the tournament last year, returned four or five starters. So uh, I'm familiar with Colgate much more than NJIT, and NJIT pushed them right to the end. So um, I think Ed, I know that they are a chuck and duck team, a lot of threes. Uh, so my guess is they'll want to play fast. Uh, play right into Providence's hands, but you make a few threes and we we have a ball game. So we'll see. Colgate uh, with our old friend Keegan Records, freshman out of South Kingstown. There, the yeah. big man. He caught a little time in his uh, first college game. I saw that the St. Andrews South Kingstown hybrid. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so that's it on the Friars. Uh, going forward to next week, uh, they do take that big step up in class. They go to Northwestern who uh, is picked last in the Big Ten, but it's a Big Ten athletes, and it's a legitimate road game, and it's uh, right. it's a big game for the Friars. And we'll do a uh, podcast uh, likely after that one and before they return home next Saturday against St. Peter's. Um, the Rhodey Rams, uh, I, I think I wrote about it this morning in the, in the journal. Uh, I love the opening of college basketball season because you just get a, you get a peek at, kids you've heard about for years and they finally make their debuts in college and sure. you wonder what the next Duke edition is going to look like and the Kentucky edition and uh, you know everybody I think I watched nine or ten games in two days I uh, used my DVR a little bit I hope you didn't watch Virginia Syracuse of course I did oh Kevin Mack of course I did I didn't oh. watch the whole thing <laughs> no but yes I did and your eyes still work it's a miracle uh, after let's that let's just say that it's good that they don't play Virginia again for a long time woof like three months woof um, and I, here's, here's a basic basketball question if Virginia's defense is the best in the country pretty much every year mm-hmm. why don't more people play it mm. I sound like Jim Donaldson, That's our, our former uh, uh, comrade in arms. Are you sure you want to do that? Who would say, well, William, if Tony Bennett plays the pack line defense, why doesn't Jim Beheim coach the pack line defense? Or Mike Krzyzewski? Sure. And it's not a bad point. Why is Virginia's defense consistently the be- literally one, two, or three in the country right. year after year with different people? I can't I don't understand know. it. You you could just say that Tony Bennett is a great coach well, and, and leave it right there. 
But you would assume you lose four starters off the national championship team. You might take a bit of a step back. Theoretically. And the uh, Orange scored 34, 32? 34. Uh, fewest in 80 years. 46-34. There you go. 34. It's a real shootout. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that the ACC network got its money's worth in a 44 to whatever you just said game. Starting the year with conference games is a joke, and Jim Beheim ripped it afterwards, and normally I dismiss Jim Beheim as a crank and, and you know, as a, <laughs> as a sort of angry old man, but I... He's, a, he's an informed crank. But I completely agree with him oh, on this absolutely. one. It, it's a joke. Yeah. It's a well, joke. In typical Beheim fashion, he, he, he walked up to his post-game uh, you know, microphone. He said, well, I wish I had won the game before I say <laughs> right. this because I wouldn't sound as cranky and crotchety. He doesn't wish that. But this is a money grab and a joke. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. And he's right. He's right. He's right. He's right. And, and you know, I almost wish that, it, well, maybe not Syracuse, but if Notre Dame, for example, had to go to North Carolina, first right. game of the season. Right. If Notre Dame lose, uh, misses out on the NCAA tournament for one win, half of a win. Right. They should point the finger at the conference office and say, That's right. "See, was was that worth it? You did was it really worth it? Right? How, why not play? You know, in Syracuse's case, play Colgate, play Cornell, then play Virginia. That's right. You don't have to wait until January. I get it. The Big Ten does that. Big Ten, a does version that. of that. But yeah. uh, you know, the ACC has created more inventory, right? With twenty league games instead of eighteen, and it's all about." You know, the ACC network and inventory and marketing. It really isn't about basketball and winning games. Our old friend Michael Prey got a win on Wednesday night. And give him credit for that. Thrilled to see it. Yeah. Boston BC College Eagles. over Wake Forest. Over Wake Forest. Got nice it done. Yeah, very much so. So uh, I give the ACC a, a smidgen of credit for saying we're on TV and no one else is. Come and watch us. I did watch a few games. Uh, that said, I would have watched a week from now when Virginia played Syracuse as well. It didn't have to be the first game of the Correct. season, but anyways. And so from our old friend Michael Prey, we will go to his old school, Rhode Island. That's called a segue, folks. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, trying to think if any of these uh, guys were on the team when Mike was here. And of course, oh, yes, of course. Uh, the Cyril and Fats, for sure. Jeff Doughton. And Jeff Doughton. Yep. Um, the Rhodey Rams got off to a 76-65 Start with a victory over Long Island. The uh, I'm sorry, they're the Blackbirds to me, but now they're the Sharks. The Sharks. Are there any Sharks in Long Island? I yes. Guess. If there are Sharks on the uh, if yeah, there are lo- Sharks on the Vineyard and off the Cape and whatever else, there are Sharks. But on Long, Long Island. Island isn't on Long Island. It's in Brooklyn. Wow. So are there any Sharks in Brooklyn? Is that where the new campus is? Yes, it's they right. took over the LIU Brooklyn. Correct. Campus? Lone Sharks. Uh, yes, I see. There could be a few Lone Sharks. Yes, Whitman Littlefield says yes. Lone Sharks. Like he, he, he might be right on that. But uh, Derek Kellogg, the former UMass coach, brought his LIU team in, and uh, all I can say is, Derek, I love to play for him. You, <laughs> right. you don't have to play a lot of D, and you can chuck threes with. No penalties attached. You are the pop half of the podcast, so that makes sense. Now, uh, forty uh, uh, LIU attempted forty-four threes, made thirteen. That's twenty-nine percent. Uh, that means they attempted uh, twenty-four twos and forty-four threes. Right. Again, nice way to play. If you can get get your money worth, money's worth. No, just firing away from deep uh, and very shorthanded. They only played six guys. 
and their best player, Raquan Clark, uh, was suspended for one game. That was a uh, it was an administrative issue. I, I guess he played two minutes during one season, uh, and then redshirted the rest of the year. He managed to get the year back, but they had to agree not to play him in one game. Thank you, NCAA. That's, yes, that's really wise. We'll get say. into them shortly. <laughs> yep. But uh, LIU only played six players, and they kept coming and coming and coming at Rhode Island. Rhode Island had leads of as many as 18 uh, midway through the second half, but they just couldn't shake them uh, and had enough. Uh, Rhodey with five in double figures. Uh, Cyril Langevin with a 16.15 rebound double-double. Bill, your impression of the Rams? Um, Good to start with a win. Uh, Long Island was as advertised. They played tough. Uh, Did not quit. It, It was a typical... Derek Kellogg team in terms of effort and uh, in terms of peskiness, I guess you could say. Uh, for Rhodey, there was a little too much settling in my mind. If you look at the free throw attempts by Russell and Doughton, there's only five combined, which suggests that they're not necessarily getting to the rim as much or getting into the paint as much as they could have or, or should have. Um, but the rest of their guys, you know, Cyril Langevine with a, a big double-double on a night where... It, Dare I say he wasn't even at his best, really. Uh, you know, it's kind of scary what that guy is able to do on a nightly basis. His floor is so high. Mm. Uh, you could see him at some point this year have a game where he has 25 and 20, let's say. Well, it's interesting, uh, and I was not there live, and you can see so much more in person. I, it looks like Cyril has lost some weight. Uh, he lo- looks trimmer. He looks trimmer, and I don't and know. Strong, I don't very know strong. That, uh, plays into maybe not as dominant around the basket and maybe a little more quickness away from the basket. But uh, he had eight offensive rebounds, 15 overall. So uh, against Long Island, he's going to be a dominant inside player. Uh, We'll certainly see a lot more how that uh, plays out on um, Saturday night. But um, how about the the story going into the open air for Rhodey was that they had lost two guys uh, who couldn't get cleared by the NCAA and what would that do to the team's depth and it's clearly an issue in my mind uh, Jacob Toppin came off the bench and in 16 minutes uh, looked good uh, very good uh, 11 points 7 rebounds flies around um, if he has a jump shot he's a steal he had a, a two hand put back dunk in the offensive class that had the folks at the Ryan Center out of their seats in the first half uh, he had a chase down block in the second half that did the same. Uh, you know, Regardless of where his game is in terms of ball handling and shooting and whatever else, his athleticism alone demands that he plays 15, 20 minutes off the, off the bench. Uh, just get him out there, let him run around, let him be energetic, uh, and he's going to give you something. Um, now, in a given night, the other night it was 11-7. and seven. Against Maryland, it might be less. Uh, against other teams, it might be more. But I think... He's the type of guy, along with Dana Tate, who was the first big guy off the bench, who was your sixth man last year, and Gregory Hammond, who was the first guard off the bench. I think that's your eight-man rotation for Maryland, and I think you figure out the rest. Uh, the, the other good thing that I saw the other night was Fats Russell. Uh, seven assists and no turnovers in that game. He continues to evolve as a guy who's playing primarily on the ball as a point guard. Uh, and if he's that unselfish and that efficient, that bodes really well for Rhode Island going forward. Yeah, but my, my take on Fats is he's clearly more under control, making better decisions. Uh, I'll be curious how that translates when they need him to score. Um, and that'll 
that'll be Saturday night at Maryland because some of these other guys won't be able to do the things they did. Uh, I thought Jeff Doughton, although he shot 5 of 14, was almost too unselfish, which is a good sign for somebody like that. You would assume senior year. I'm the guy. Uh, I'm going to crank up a lot of shots and, and hunt my shot. And he did, again, get 14 shots up, but I, I thought he deferred an awful lot. Uh, and the one concern, obviously, we, we can't skip without bringing it up, was the player Jermaine Harris. It was uh, it was head-scratchingly bad. And um, maybe a return home uh, on Saturday. He's He's... A jump shot away from a Cole Field, uh, Cole Field House. That's how old I am. Yeah, What's right. it called down there? The, the Xfinity, Xfinity Center? Center now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Xfinity Center on the, the College Park campus. Jermaine uh, was born and raised in the area. Maybe that'll get him going because they they need Jermaine Harris. They need him badly. Right. They need him to play well, especially you know as you said with the NCAA troubles they ran into. Uh, they're not going to have Antoine Walker for first semester. They're not going to have Jeremy Shepard at all. Uh, you know Walker's waiver from Georgetown was declined by the NCAA. Uh, Shepard is an academic casualty after transferring out of a junior college from East Carolina. Uh, he's not going to be able to play at all this season, and and so URI suddenly has. You know, maybe one guard coming off the bench in the backcourt, and that's Hammond, who's a freshman. Um, you're going to see a lot of bigger lineups, probably with Tyrese Martin at the two. Um, you know, potentially if, if Russell and Doubt can go to the bench. Uh, and then the big guys up front, uh, you know, you're looking at, at Tate, certainly as your sixth man, and, mm-hmm. and then after that, it's Toppin or DJ Johnson, uh, another Juco transfer, and you know, that's that's why David Cox gets the big bucks. He he gets to figure that out, uh, you know, over the next few days and, and weeks. And, you know, that's going to be an evolving process until Walker is eligible on December 21st against Western Kentucky. Yep, and some big hoops to jump through between uh, now and then with uh, Rody's schedule that we've talked about, uh, certainly a lot of high-end big-time games. And maybe the biggest and uh, best opponent that Rhode Island will play all season is on Saturday night. Uh, Maryland uh, uh, coming off a deep run in the NCAA tournament last year. I think they lost to LSU on a last-second shot um, yep. in the Sweet 16 round. Uh, that was round of 32. Would have gotten yep, to the Sweet 16. Round. Maryland had a, a squirmer against Belmont in their first game. Mm-hmm. Very good Belmont good team. Good Belmont team. Uh, they have a first-round draft pick up front. Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Yep. If he has a big year, he could be as high as a lottery pick. Yep. Uh, and then an elite guard uh, in Anthony Cowan, uh, the high school backcourt teammate of Jeff Doughton. So, you know, I give Rhode Island a lot of credit. This is a bye game. You know, they're going to get a nice fat check to go down there. Uh, I have no problem with Rhode Island being bought from time to time. I know that some fans do. I, I can't disagree more. It's just impossible to get the Maryland's of the world to come to your arena. It's just, it's not going to happen. Okay. So let's not even discuss it. Uh, so to go and get a check and more importantly, showcase a, a great kid and a great career like Jeff Doughton in his backyard. Uh, th- there's probably no other team that Jeff Doughton would want to play than Maryland. So good for him. Right. Sure. And, and he was, they had availability on Thursday and, and he was excited about it. Uh, you know, he, he said he's leaving up to 40 tickets for friends nope. and family. Uh, you know, David Cox, obviously a, a DC native is going to be leaving his fair share mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and, and Jermaine Harris. Jermaine Harris and, as well. And McKee Long. And Mackay Long, yeah, yep, yep, yep. uh, another Maryland guy. So yep. you're, you're looking at a you know, situation where URI wanted a marquee game for the schedule. 
wanted an opportunity to, to try and secure a win that would turn heads on Selection Sunday. And, you know, also you have the added benefit of having one of your seniors, who's meant a lot to your program, be able to play in his own backyard in, in this game. So, you know, it, it should be a special night on Saturday. Uh, you know, I, I know uh, eyes veterans – Doughton, Langevin, and, and Russell have played in NCAA tournaments before. They've played in atmospheres like this. And, you know, there was a, a different focus on Thursday at practice, a, a different energy. And I think that they relish that sort of challenge and, and that sort of stage. So uh, good luck to the Rams on uh, Saturday night. Again, 9 o'clock on FS1. So um, opportunity to see the Rams at, on a big stage there. A little bit on Bryant here. Bryant has come really close to two wins. They've lost two games by identical scores, 73-71. The first was the season opener in Smithfield to Brown, and we'll get back to that game a little bit. But, boy, they they threw everything at Rutgers on Thursday night down at the rack. Uh, Trailed the whole game and closed like a thoroughbred right to the end. Uh, A missed three-pointer by Adam Grant in the corner. Uh, or else they would have got him. Uh, they lost, again, by two, 73-71. Uh, Grant with 23 points, six rebounds, six assists. Uh, I think we've said it for a couple of years now. He, he, he can play anywhere. He, I, I, you know, I think Rhode Island would love to bring Adam Grant off the bench right now, for example. Oh, no question. I mean, he can, he can score points. Hey, he could play for Rutgers. We, we know that after what we saw. You're, you're looking at a guy who's going to push, realistically, 18, 1,900 points in his career. Mm. That's nothing to sneeze at. And uh, to uh, uh, Coach Jared Grasso's uh, credit, uh, the recruiting trail is bearing fruit already. Uh, I, it's awful hard not to like his two freshman guards, Michael Green. Uh, they list him at 5'11". I hear, I hear he's more like 5'8". He's a little guy. A true New York City water bug, point guard, quick. Uh, he had 11.7 assists against Rutgers, 14 and 4 assists against Brown. That's a pretty good way to start your college career. Very and nice. Charles Pride, who uh, I think is from Syracuse. Sour Patch Chuck on Twitter. <laughs> Sour Patch Chuck. It's a good one. He had 22 and 7 rebounds in his second college game at Rutgers. So I, I'll take that and run with it. It sounds like, uh, you know, Bryant's 0-2, but could easily be 2-0. and And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say there's some pressure on him to start winning some home games against Cornell on Sunday, but I'm sure that's one they, they're kind of focusing on right now, that's for sure. Yeah, Charles Pride from Syracuse, uh, but a guy who prepped at Putnam Science. And for anyone in the region who knows, Putnam Science, one of the better Postgrad programs uh, in the region has produced a, a fair bit of talent here uh, in recent seasons. Uh, you know, you just look at the Bonnies last year. Right. Uh, Kyle Lofton and Osun Osuniyi were, were teammates at Putnam Science. So, you know, and you could look at the the national recruits that they've had. Good uh, players. Yep. If you're going to pluck anyone out of that program, you're you're doing well to do so. Uh, you know, and and Bryant. Brian, you, you got the feeling toward the end of last year that this wouldn't take long for Jared Grasso. They, they were so competitive in so many NEC games with, with really limited talent, with Ikenan and Duba sitting out. Uh, you got the feeling that this wouldn't take very long, and, and you're looking at them now from a roster standpoint. Just physically, they, they look much more the part than they did last year. They've got some athletic bigs. They have some guards who can do some things. Uh, they're going to be a tough out. Going forward, it's that simple. Uh, the in the opener against Brown, uh, Brown 
also closed well and held off uh, Bryant. Uh, Brandon Anderson with 23 points, the senior guard stepping up in his first game. And uh, Tamanang Cho had 20 as well. Uh, Brown, uh, to their credit, ha- has a good amount of home games that if they can, I think last year, they may have won ten home games, uh, or, or no non-conference. They they won ten non-conference games. They were for the ten first and four at one point in a long time. Yes. Um, so the Canisius game on Sunday is a big one for the Bears. Uh, no question. Uh, you know Brown holding off Bryant on the road. Uh, you know that's a good win for them. You especially when you consider last year how easily Brown sort of dismissed Bryant at home. It it would have been very easy for Brown to look and say, well, you know, we beat them easily last year. This isn't really going to be a a test, uh, you know, that was a mature win to to get that type of game on the road against a Bryant team that, that clearly has some ideas this season. Uh, you mentioned Anderson with twenty three, Tamanang Cho with twenty points and twelve rebounds. Uh, he will be a sneaky candidate to be an All Ivy League player at the end of the year. I, I get the sense that if Brown has a good year, he will get one of those five spots. I think chosen. You know, real position to do that. Uh, okay, Bill, we got about a minute and a half left. I'm going to hit you with some quickies. Please. I don't know how many games you've watched. You've been out watching Rhode Island High School sports the last couple nights. But anyone jump out that you've watched in snippets or highlights or anything uh, nationally? You know, well, I mean, you're, you're looking at Kentucky to start off in, in the Champions Classic. Um, you know, and, and, a lot of people are looking at Tyrese Maxey in his debut, uh, the freshman guard, and, and I think I saw one national writer say that, that Maxey's game the other night against Michigan State, 69-62 win, might have been the best debut by any Kentucky freshman ever, which is very, very high praise indeed. That's saying a lot. Uh, you know, but if you, if you watch that game in the second half and, and you watch what he did coming off the bench, 26 points. Uh, five rebounds and only one turnover uh, sort of dragged Kentucky over the line against Michigan State. Not easy to do against a Tom Izzo team. No, nope. uh, I'll take Cole Anthony. I saw him against uh, Notre Dame. Uh, I think he had 36 points, and he set a record for first game scoring by a freshman in North Carolina history. Mm. Uh, they've had a few good players over the years down at uh, Tar Heel Country, don't you think? Let's let's have a conspiracy theory here. The other night, it hits me when Cole Anthony is scoring and they're showing his dad, Greg Anthony, in the stands. Did Greg <laughs> instruct Cole Anthony to go to Carolina just to get a second chance at Duke for the Anthony family? Wow. Wow, that's a real conspiracy theory. That's some theory. deep conspiracy stuff, right? Or, or just... You know Carolina's going to be on TV so much, so Dad's going to be shown so much, and it helps his TV career. Do you think Greg thinks all the way back to 91, that loss in the semifinals in the Final Four when UNLV was undefeated? Greg Anthony fouled out with two minutes to go, left UNLV without a point guard. They were rudderless the rest of the way. Duke ended up winning 79-77, I think, on two Christian Leitner free throws. Well, but won't it hurt more when Duke beats Carolina twice this year? Sorry, Jim Hummel. Or if Carolina uh, wins twice over Duke, well, see. and Cole Anthony's the best we'll player on the floor. Well, he, he, it looks like he's going to be North Carolina's best player in every game the rest of the way. And uh, yeah, he was super the and, other and night. Check him out because he's one and done. No question. Uh, like so many of these uh, high-profile freshmen. No question. Bill, that's it. We'll have to save the NCAA bashing and NBA draft looks and whatnot for subsequent pick and pop podcasts. But uh, signing out for this week. Thanks very much. This podcast is a production of the Providence Journal, online at ProvidenceJournal.com.